Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, I'll review a show a lot of people will be plowing through this weekend. Season 4, Part 1 of the Netflix smash hit Ozark Plus. I'm Jeff Braun. I'll review Peacemaker and talk some 007 as I make my way through all the James Bond movies. And last week, we both watched a bunch of our old favorites. And this week, I largely stayed in that lane. So I'll tell you which of my old faves I checked out again. But I did have time to sneak in Marvel's Eternals on Disney+. Plus. So I'll tell you about that, too. So we previewed it last week to put it on your radar and get you ready for it. And we hope you're ready because it is here. Season four, part one of Ozark is now on Netflix. And I have a spoiler free review. He's dead. He's dead. And, 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 I, and I know you know who did this. You, you tell me who he is. You tell me where he is. You tell me his name. Tell me. We don't, we don't know. I'm sorry. Hey, 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 You're hey. You're a liar, and I'm gonna kill you. Really? I'm gonna kill you if you don't no, tell you me. No, you are not. That man, that man, he runs a drug cartel. So even if he is responsible, Ruth, he's Ruth, not. Ruth, Do not hurt this man. Or what, your whole family will be murdered, huh? If you want to stop me, you're gonna have to kill me! So, as you can tell from that clip, Ozark is a happy family fun time show. And listen, there is the there's no context to that clip, okay? I pulled out any names that were mentioned, so who knows what they're talking about in there, but that's an example of how intense this show is. It is not a happy show. It is one of the darkest shows on television. And the sense of dread is almost overwhelming at times in the first part of this fourth and final season to the point where I had to pause the show several times because I just wasn't sure <laughs> if I was prepared to watch what was about to happen. So to recap what the show is about, Ozark debuted in 2017, as we told you last week, uh, but in case you missed last week, Jason Bateman and Laura Linney are the lead stars. Bateman plays Marty Bird. He's this finance dude in Chicago, but he's also laundering money for a Mexican drug cartel. And then bad things happen, so he has to move his family to the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri, where he has to launder even more money for that Mexican drug cartel. From there, he gets mixed up with the local drug lords who grow poppies for heroin, and a family of low-life crooks led by Ruth, who you heard in that clip. She's young, bright, has a killer instinct, and super intense. She's played by Julia Garner and has won two Emmys for her acting in that role. The birds, they they should not be alive. They should not have survived this show, but they still, they find a way to not only stay ahead of those who would end them, but they always find a way to somehow come out even rosier and expand their operations and now even their super smart son, Jonah, is in on the family practice. He's decided to go into money laundering as well, and he's really good at it. And that causes all kinds of family friction. Rebellious teenagers. So, Jeff, uh, please forgive my my terrible, terrible memory, but um, how much of Ozark have you watched? Any of it? I watched 
four or five episodes, I think, of the first season, and I just couldn't get into it. And then when you played that clip just now, that lady screaming, uh, I would turn it off. I could, could not handle that. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be fair, she that's that's as intense as, as she gets, but it's pretty crazy stuff. But uh, listen, the first season was good. But not great. It had potential. Season two, same thing. Good, not great. And I was starting to wonder if that was as good as it would ever be. I thought maybe Netflix was just reaching a little too high and couldn't, you know, play with the big boys, so to speak. Season three, though, did go from good to great. The show has won several awards along the way. It has an excellent cast who consistently delivers top-shelf performances. And now we come to the beginning of the end in this first part of Season 4. Seven episodes in Part 1, seven in Part 2, whenever that debuts. And if Season 3 went from good to great, well, Season 4 has taken Ozark from great to excellent. The first seven episodes are dynamite. The basic plot here... The boss of the cartel wants out. He wants to cut a deal with the FBI, and he needs the birds to make it happen for him. Or he'll kill them, of course. They also have to deal with the ambitious nephew of the cartel boss as he breathes down their necks and micromanages them, all while, you know, threatening to kill them, of course. He's played by a guy named Alfonso Herrera, and it was driving me nuts in his first episode because I thought... That guy looks so familiar, but I just couldn't place it. On this show, he's got a goatee, he's got some facial scruff, some snappy clothes. And then I remembered him with a clean-cut look and in a long black robe. He played Father Tomas Ortega in that Exorcist TV show from a few years back on Fox. He was great in that, and he is great in this, too. He means business, and he does not care who he hurts. One of the reasons I think... This show has become so good over these four, or I guess three and a half seasons now, is the the focus on family. Like in this case, it's all dysfunctional families. But when you look at the birds, Marty started doing the money laundering thing to make some extra cash and maybe for some excitement in his life, ends up way over his head, has to uproot his family. And in doing so, his wife ends up kind of going down a sinister road. And now their son is doing that as well. Their daughter has managed to mostly mostly stay out of trouble. So I guess she's the normal one of the bunch. Ruth's family, meanwhile, of low-life crooks throughout this series. I admit I did not like them at first. I thought they were a pointless sideshow. But they have become so important, especially Ruth, to the story because they, they just somehow connect all of the varying dots In this show, there's Darlene who runs the poppy farm. She is intense about the people she considers to be family. And in this season, all I can say is her world is insane. And you never know when she's just going to pull out a shotgun and blow someone's head off. So that's fun. There's also the KC mob. Again, family operation. Some fun dynamics in there. And of course, there's the drug cartel, which also is a family operation. But pushing aside any central themes this show might have. In the end, it's just a damn good crime drama. So I'm going to give season four, part one of Ozark, four and a half couch cushions out of five. And I joked earlier that it's a happy family fun time show. Well, I guess you could make it happy and fun just by lightening up the music like this. What, your whole family will be murdered, huh? If you want to stop me, you're going to have to kill me! 
See, so much fun. Ozark. That's awesome. <laughs> on Netflix. All right. Uh, the show I watched this week was Peacemaker, and it's turning out to be an early highlight for the television year for me. You that Peacemaker guy? Yeah. Evil supervillain? Not a supervillain. That's a misconception. <laughs> Peacemaker is a highly trained weapons specialist. What the hell is that? It's a grenade I tied to a Russian tank shell. How many people does this blow up? I don't know. Invented it this morning. has a questionable backstory. Made the only choice I could. Funny you how often the only choice in killing people coincides. Peacemaker is a trained assassin that wears a costume. A bright red shirt and white pants aren't exactly conducive to lurking in the shadows. People see this uniform and strikes fear in their hearts. Who? The other people at the village people tryouts? <laughs> Peacemaker is recruited to join a secret team for a mission that probably doesn't have a large chance of success. You don't want to believe in miracles, that's on you. He fights for his values, what he believes is good. I made a vow to have peace at any cost. No matter how many men, women, and children I need to kill to get it. Hey, no! Good. Right now, the world needs a psychopath. And you're the only one I got. The HBO Max series about a superhero of sorts from DC's Suicide Squad streams on Crave in Canada. And last week, it opened its season by releasing three episodes, which I just tore through because they were so much fun. Peacemaker stars John Cena, who's becoming a very ubiquitous actor. I saw him in three movies last year, and now he's got this streaming series. The show co-stars Danielle Brooks. She played Tasty on Orange is the New Black. Freddie Stroma, Chuck Woody, Awuji, Jennifer Holland, comedian Steve Agee, and Robert Patrick, the T-1000 from Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I saw Robert Patrick's name in the credits and got excited, and then I was legitimately shocked when he turned up as an old man, which was just dumb on my part because he is now an old man, but I always think of 90s Robert Patrick when I hear his name. Here he plays Peacemaker's despicable father, and the Peacemaker character was first introduced to us, to audiences in the DC Extended Universe last summer in the Suicide Squad movie, the second best superhero movie of last year after Spider-Man. He wasn't the best part of that movie, though, and I was a little suspect about a series starring Peacemaker. As we heard in the clip, he's a bit of a lunkhead with a dubious philosophy about forcing peace on the world, regardless of how many people he has to kill to achieve it. The show really doubles down on the lunkheadedness of it all. Peacemaker is a dumb guy who often means well. The premise of the show is that there's this small offshoot Black Ops team set up by Argus's Amanda Waller to work on a special mission, the Butterfly Project. And the team is made up of pros who do this sort of thing, a few of, the, of whom we saw in the Suicide Squad movie last year. And then Peacemaker is assigned to them to be the brute force of it all, except nobody likes him because he's an idiot and he's a bit of a jerk. And it's all very, very funny. It's from James Gunn, who made the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, so it's mostly fast-talking funny banter, and it's kind of thrilling to watch. It's a really good pace to everything. It's also very, very off-color. This show is not meant for kids, so if your kids are trying to watch Peacemaker, they're uh, pulling one over one on you there, Mom and Dad. Um, I never really read a lot of superhero comics growing up, and outside of, you know, Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man, didn't really know the origins of most of them, so I asked a friend of mine who was into comics growing up if Peacemaker was a big deal in the comic books, and he assured me he was not. Peacemaker was a very minor character in the history of superheroes, which, in this case, is a good thing because it means they can do whatever they want with them, and no one will mind because we've all seen how fans just lose their freaking minds whenever Batman or Superman is fiddled with. Like when Superman snapped Zod's neck and Man of Steel, people went 
bananas over it, but that won't be a problem with Peacemaker. So with that creative license, James Gunn is really just off to the races. And the good news is that even with the unending barrage of funny quips, the show is also doing a pretty decent job of developing the characters and the storylines. And all of it is gelling very nicely, very quickly. And we, the audience, are privy to more information than most of the characters because some of the team members have additional agendas beyond the overall goal of the team. And the way it's all unfolding is keeping me very interested beyond the humor and beyond the action. And a lot of time, these kinds of shows would just rely on the action to carry them. But this is a level above that, and it feels like everyone involved is actually interested in making a great show and a fun show overall. And uh, like I said, it's been three episodes out of the eight in the season that I've seen. And so far, mission accomplished to all their goals. And I can't wait to see where Peacemaker goes from here. Again, I highly recommend it. And it is streaming on Crave, Brett. And in a moment, Jeff just mentioned when people kind of lose their minds. Curious to know what people thought about what Disney Plus unveiled this week about one of its next television projects and some exciting news about a show coming to Prime that I think they probably hope will make their streaming service the streaming service to rule them all. Details next. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And a trailer was released this week for the upcoming MCU Disney Plus show Moon Knight starring Oscar Isaac. Hello, and welcome to Staying Awake. I have a sleeping disorder. I can't tell the difference between my waking life and dreams. Hello, and welcome to Staying Awake. Oscar Isaac plays Stephen, a man who is having trouble sleeping. The real trouble, as he mentions, is that he can't tell what's a dream and what's reality. That would be trouble. And in the trailer, we do see him very confused as he wakes up in weird places and falls asleep at inopportune times. And then at one point, Stephen also discovers an old cell phone. Yeah. Oh my God, you're alive. What's wrong with you, Mark? Why did you call me Mark? Yeah, that's going to be trouble. Ethan Hawke is also in this show. He looks like he's the bad guy. I've been curious about Moon Knight ever since they announced it because I've never heard of Moon Knight, and I don't think I'm alone in that. There's a lot of random stuff in the trailer. They do show him as Moon Knight near the end, and he sort of looks like a mummy with a cape and glowing white eyes. Very cool-looking stuff. So color me intrigued. We'll find out what Moon Knight is all about on March 30th on Disney+. Plus. That must be very difficult. The voice in your head. Shut up! There's chaos in you. Embrace the chaos. So this is something that I have actually been wanting to see adapted into live action for years. Because you know what it is. I, am, I have lots of Moon Knight's comics. Unfortunately, I, I would not say that I'm an expert on Moon Knight, uh, but I have read several of his comics. Um, and he's gone through so many kind of different iterations, like because his comics tend to come out and then they get canceled after. It's like they, they just plan to do 12, a 12 issue story and then that's it. And then he comes back and then he gets canceled. And every time he comes back, he's a little bit different. But he the costume has always been 
historically, typically the same. As you pointed out, he looks like that mummy with the cape. But in the comics, uh, the initial iteration, he's it's just completely ghost white. But they take advantage of shadows with the artwork. So he just looks super cool. And he's a very intriguing character because of the issues that he has with his mental wellness so you never really quite know what's going to happen. And I think over the years, uh, they have sort of focused more on that. So I'm curious to know how they're going to incorporate that into this television show because the discussion over mental wealth wellness is so important now. So if they can incorporate that into the story in a way where they do it with some class and some respect, that'll be great. And if they just ignore that entirely, whatever. It still looks cool and I'm... Pleased with the costume. I thought <laughs> this might be one of those comic characters that just should not be adapted, right? Like some co- some of the costumes in the comics look great. That would look, but they would look brutal on the screen. So. Yeah, like the X Men when they made the X Men, it was like, yeah, we, you know, we can't do the comic book costumes because that looks ridiculous on Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they just put them all in those fancy leather suits, and they looked yeah. uh, the, the same. So there you go. March thirtieth, Disney Plus. Can't wait for Moon Knight. And in a moment, we are going back. To Middle Earth, as promised. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And news this week of one of the year's most anticipated TV shows, the Lord of the Rings series. That's coming to Prime Video. This week, they announced the title, The Rings of Power. And the date we'll finally be able to put our eyes on it, which will be September 2nd. For the elven kings under the sky seven for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone nine for mortal men doomed to die one for the dark lord on his dark throne in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie The showrunners say the series will be about the forging of the rings and the rise of Sauron, yada, 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 expanding on a lot of that second age of Middle-earth stuff that we have saw in the opening five-minute montage of the Fellowship of the Ring movie. Uh, other than those generalities, the details about the show remain pretty scarce, but Amazon has pumped a billion dollars into it and some more series in the works, so we'll soon be hip deep in L-O-T-R lore once again. And I'm excited for it. I'm excited to rewatch all the Hobbit and Lord of the Ring movies again before the fall. And again, The Rings of Power will debut on Prime Video September 2nd. Are you starting to get excited, Brett? Oh, yeah. I've been excited ever since they announced this because as we've seen... The literary material, which isn't necessarily super exciting, like the Lord of the Rings books are great, don't get me wrong, but there are times in those books where I would just want to skip like 50 pages because (laughs) Tolkien likes to go on about how beautiful the grass is and he likes to write his songs and that's... That stuff isn't quite for me. I just want to get to the story. So the movies, they cut out all that extra stuff, and they just told the the core of the story, which is amazing. And it's the same thing. The, Tolkien wrote so much backstory and history for this universe. 
it got eventually published into a book called The Silmarillion, which is more like a, it's almost more like a textbook. It is boring, but there are some cool stories in there. <laughs> so I would like to see what they do with it. And I'm confident that they wouldn't even attempt this if they were if they were not confident that it's good, right? Because why would you want to go down that road unless you are prepared to say, we are going to stick this landing, you just wait and see. So I'm excited. Yeah, uh, and we'll find out September 2nd. I'm excited now because they finally put a date on it because when, they, when shows are announced and there's no date, it's like, okay, just let me know when there's a date and then I'll know that something is actually really going to happen. And of course, the last couple of years, the dates for everything have been so screwy that uh, when something is kind of set in stone, it's time to start getting excited. So we're down with that. The Rings of Power are coming to Prime Video again on September 2nd. Now, I always like having some sort of a viewing project on the go just to help me waste less time when I'm trying to decide what to watch because I will scroll for an hour and then just go to bed. So right now I'm actually making my way through all the James Bond movies. I think you've made your point, Goldfinger. Thank you for the demonstration. Choose your next witticism carefully, Mr. Bond. It may be your last. The purpose of our two previous encounters is now very clear to me. I do not intend to be distracted by another. Good night, Mr. Bond. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. All the James Bond movies are on Crave right now. I noticed that a few months back, and I've been watching one or two a week trying to pace myself. I had rewatched a couple of the Daniel Craig movies before No Time to Die opened last fall, so it had been on the brain for a while. And I thought, you know, I've only seen a couple of the old ones with Sean Connery and Roger Moore. I haven't seen any of the Timothy Dalton or the George Lazenby ones, and I haven't seen even any of the Pierce Brosnan Bond movies since seeing his last one, Die Another Day, in theaters in 2002. So I thought, why not watch them all? And at first I thought I'd mix it all up, and I started with The Spy Who Loved Me, a Roger Moore movie from the late 70s, but then the anal retentive side of me, of course, took over, and I went to start at the beginning like you should. So, so far I've watched all the Sean Connery movies, the George Lazenby one, and most of the Roger Moore movies, and it's been a lot of fun. I mean, movie making has changed a ton since the early 60s when this uh, all began, but these movies are still entertaining, even even if the action isn't up to our modern day standards a lot of the time. If nothing else, it is just fun to see how much has changed in the 60 years since that first one, Dr. No, was released. And there's obviously a lot of things in these movies that are problematic by today's standards, of course, but the movies are also so silly most of the time that it would be hard to get upset by it for real. And every movie also makes me think of Austin Powers because nearly everything in the Austin Powers movie is lampooning something from one of these James Bond movies. I found Thunderball in particular had a ton of things that was later found in the Austin Power movies, like the bad guy having a pool full of sharks with which to kill his enemies. Now, the Thunderball sharks didn't have freaking laser beams on their freaking heads, but still, it was clearly an homage. <laughs> and of course, those early Bond movies invented a lot of the tropes that we laugh at today. And I imagine when it all came out originally, it felt pretty fresh. But it's been fun to go through them in order, seeing where things began with the car, the martini, all the th different things that have to be in a James Bond movie to this day, although they obviously have different variations on them, and sometimes movies like to have fun with them. And, and it's funny because... 
for a franchise that is so slavishly devoted to so much of its history, it just doesn't give a hoot about continuity. Sometimes Bond has been married before, sometimes not. And there's the fact that since so much time has passed, the Bond of No Time to Die and of Dr. No can't be the same guy. But you also can't just say that with each new actor coming into play Bond that it's a series reset because the supporting actors, those who play M and Q, carry over and money penny uh so some of that is simply you know necessary because of the longevity of the series but they also just don't seem to care about details like that so the attitude is meh just go with it it's no big deal but then he does still have to introduce himself as bond james bond in every movie so they do they're sticklers in that regard and it's the only franchise that can get away with this i mean uh mcu fans or star wars fans would freak out if the continuity doesn't match you know through the entire series they screwed up a, a date on screen at the beginning of spider-man homecoming and that upset everybody and it really actually still upsets me but the kind of chaos that rattles nerds like us bread is uh fun every now and then <laughs> and if ever there was a franchise to say just go with it james bond is the one because so much is just so ludicrous the daniel craig movies have tried to be a little more grounded a little grittier while maintaining a lot of the globetrotting spirit of those earlier movies and having them be you know suave and dishing out one-liners i'm excited to finish the rest of them again even if not every movie's a winner and a lot of the old style of filmmaking is not as exciting as modern movie making it's a pretty good way to see 60 years of change in hollywood and again if you have crave uh they're all they're all 24 films plus never say never again which is technically outside the canon, I think. Uh, it's all there except for the newest one, No Time to Die. That was just in theaters in fall. That is currently available to rent or buy. So if you're looking for something to watch, there's a ton of James Bond out there just sitting there waiting for you. All right. You have inspired me to maybe think about it. <laughs> I also memorized all the titles in the order they were released, which is... Uh, the nerdiest thing I've done in a long time, ever since uh, when 20 years ago when I memorized the alphabet backwards for no particular reason except I was bored one day. And you did that this week with the Bond titles? Yeah. Okay. Or a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Wow. That really is nerdy. Do it for you if you want. You no. want me to list 25 movies? Sure. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Let's hear it. All right, it. here we go. <clears throat> in order, from the beginning, <laughs> Dr. No from Russia with Love. Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Diamonds Are Forever, <laughs> Live and Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun, The Spy Who Loved Me, <laughs> Moonraker, For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, and oh, one more, one more, one more, Roger Moore, one, I'm blanking on, uh, A View to a Kill, The Living Daylights, License to Kill, Golden Eye, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, Die Another Day, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre, and No Time for Die. No Time to Die. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> did you have Moonraker in there? I did. Okay. I missed it. Yeah, that was great. It's the 11th one. <laughs> Bravo, sir. <laughs> Bravo. That was fantastic. Up next, one of my favorite shows of the last 10 years is finished. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. One of my favorite shows of the last decade wrapped up last week. And I didn't even know the finale was coming. I mean, I knew this was the final season, but I didn't realize that it was only six episodes. Even as I was watching it, I thought, this feels like they're wrapping up the story. But don't they have four more episodes? Nope, 
finale. I'm talking about the sixth and final season of the science fiction show, The Expanse. Best opportunity to stop free navies here, here, and here. And if you don't, we have a plan B. All parts, stand by for launch. Everyone buckle up, it's about to get rough. Here's the reactor. Incoming! We need air support. Negative. Those railguns will be all over us the second we stick our nose out. I'd rather get shot in the front in the back. Me too. So The Expanse is based on a series of books. It's set... The world is set in about two or three hundred years into the future. Humans have colonized much of our solar system. We now have a station on the moon. We have humans on... Mars. We have humans in the belt, the asteroid belt, and they all hate each other and they're constantly under threat of going to war with each other. And in this final season, Earth and Mars have banded together to fight back against a group called the Free Navy, which is essentially this rogue but very very big group of belters who have found a way to unite and sort of maybe make this war finally happen. And I have loved this show from the start. It was initially on sci-fi and it got canceled. It, it aired on uh, Canada on space, got canceled after three seasons. Amazon picks it up for another three seasons. And it was my favorite show of the, one of my favorite shows of the year in each of the first four seasons. Season five was good, but it was kind of boring, so it didn't make the cut there. But oh, but season six has been thrilling. I'm sad to see it go. One of my favorite shows of the last decade. It's got tremendous visual effects. And one thing that's really cool as well is the, the detail they put into the science. I've read from lots of scientists who say that they're impressed with the effort that goes into the show from that standpoint. I watched a video on YouTube the other day of this astrophysicist who was losing her mind at how realistic the expanse is. So it's neat that they can make something that's realistic, but also super fun and complete fantasy. So I recommend the expanse. It's available on prime. Great show. And I love it. And I'm sad that it's gone. I also got to tell you that I watched this Five years ago, Thanos erased half of the population of the universe. But the people of this planet brought everyone back with a snap of a finger. The sudden return of the population provided the necessary energy for the emergence to begin. How long do we have? Seven days. Marvel's Eternals. It debuted on Disney Plus on Wednesday. I didn't actually go see this one in the theater. Um, How do I sum this up if you don't know anything about it? It's about these cosmic beings who have been on Earth for 7,000 years, watching over humanity, watching over Earth, but they're not allowed to interfere in human conflict. They were put there by this cosmic being known as a celestial, essentially to protect Earth from another race of cosmic beings called the deviants whatever don't worry about the plot i will just tell you this it's i i think the the movie is interesting had some neat action but i just didn't find myself really caring about any of them or their conflict there were just too many characters to be introduced to there was too much story i think it's cool that they're getting into the more cosmic side of the marvel universe but it's 
it was a lot to take in. And in the end, uh, for me, it was just kind of meh. So I'm going to give it two and a half couch cushions out of five. You saw Eternals on the big screen, didn't you, Jeff? I did. I, I really liked it. It does have a different vibe to it than most of the MCU movies. Like, it feels like it's like the same meal that the MCU serves you, but made at a different restaurant or something like that. I don't know if that's an analogy that actually works or makes any sense, but there was something a little bit different about the Eternals, but I, I still dug it. it. Maybe the big screen of it all made it a little bit easier to, you know, really zoom in and focus. But I also go into all these superhero movies just being like, whatever, I don't care what's going on. Just, uh, I let it wash all over me because, and I understand about 70% of what's, what's happening at the <laughs> best of times. So I, that didn't bother me at all. It does seem weird that like, like it took, you know, years and years to build up the Avengers. And now with the Eternals, they just boom, everybody all at once kind of thing. It might've been better to have a couple of movies before the big group outing. Well, did I say it came out just this past Wednesday? If I did, I meant to say Wednesday, January 12th. I can't remember if I said what I said. I've already forgotten. So that's the new-ish movie that I watched this week, but I was still on the comfort movie train from last week, and I watched one of my old favorites. Inhabitants of Pink Trees. This is Judge Dredd. Let him talk. In case some people have forgotten... This block operates under the same rules as the rest of the city. Mama is not the law. I am the law. Dread from 2012. Carl Urban plays Judge Dread, adapted from the comics, and it's set in a really awful future. The world is this irradiated wasteland. What's left of humanity converge in these mega cities. He's in Mega City One. 800 million people. Crime is rampant. The only thing that can stop crime from taking over completely is the judges. They are judge, jury, executioner. He has the authority to execute people on the spot. And this is just such a delightfully simple, wonderful action movie. It's an hour and a half, basic plot. He goes into this apartment building with a rookie judge and... They get locked in because the drug dealer who runs the building on the 200th floor wants them dead. So they have to fight their way to the top floor to take down Mama and her gang. And it's just so much fun. Carl Urban is so good in this role as Judge Dredd, who's not a bad guy. He just he is relentless in his pursuit of justice. He is the most feared judge in the land. And this movie is amazing. So you can watch that on Prime if you have access to that. I also have it on Blu-ray. Um, I want to see if it's available on 4K Blu-ray, in fact. But that's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.